It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Could the Washington Commanders win-loss record this season swing? Not because of the work they do, but the rest they get. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into this Wednesday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I am your host, David Harrison, dharrison82 on Twitter credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the Washington Commanders here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss a valuation of Washington's NFL draft class and measurements of the of the commander's third and fourth down performances while in field goal range. A lot of data, a lot of analytics coming in today's episode and first we're going to start today's off off today's episode off discussing the importance of rest right uh work rest cycles incredibly important in all walks of life you can't just work 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 and get zero rest zero recreational time or time to just kind of defuse and chill out right well football players are the same and starting with training camp every football player knows every coach knows that the grind starts all over again and it's very real and it doesn't really let up until early next year. Uh, And for coaches, even after the season is over, you've got combines, you've got scouting events, all these things, right? So work rest cycles are very, very important. But we're going to, and we've scheduled the Washington, where we've talked about the Washington Commanders strength of schedule uh, very often every day as you're going to, you're going to recognize that part of the conversation, right? And their win-loss projections are kind of built off of that strength of schedule, which is presumed to be somewhere around the 24, 25, 26 range. Kind of depends on who you talk to and which levels of measurement that they like to use. And because their schedule is presumed to be so difficult, usually the Washington Commanders are projected to be around the five to seven win range uh, when talking about projections, right? So that's kind of what is expected of the Washington Commanders nowadays. I think on the local level, most of us are a little bit more excited for the team, have a little bit more confidence. And I think where it could get frustrating is once again, we're going to be talking about a team that with average to above average quarterback play could be a very, very dangerous team. But because the commanders are projected to have the worst schedule or one of the worst schedules in the league, they're also not expected to do a whole lot, right? Part of the reason they have one of the toughest schedules in the league is because they have 10 matchups this coming season where they face off against 2022 NFL playoff teams. Those include the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles twice a piece. So that's six games right off the bat, but they've got four other games going up against playoff teams from last season. But there could actually be an advantage to Washington's schedule, and it comes in the rest cycles. And this data is according to Sharp Football Analysis. Washington is one of three teams that has a plus 12 rest edge on their schedule, meaning that they have 12 days of rest more than their scheduled opponents over the course of their regular 
season. The other two teams that have a plus 12 rest advantage are the New York Jets and the Chicago Bears. Now, in only one week, the Commanders have a rest deficit. So there's only one week, one game this season where the where the Commanders have a rest deficit. And even then, it's only a one-day rest deficit. And the best part of that is it comes week 18. Of course, I say the best part of it, but the best situation for that rest deficit would actually be week two, right? You can't really have a week one rest deficit, but you could have a week two rest deficit. Uh, if you were going to have one, that would be the week you would actually want it. But instead, it comes week 18. And the reason I say that's a almost a second best case scenario is because hopefully, right, if you're going to be a playoff team, your playoff future is already solidified. And hopefully you're not coming into week 18 uh, needing that win necessarily. But if you do need that win, I mean, look, it's week 18. If you can't get up for a week 18 game, even with one day less of rest than your opponent, then uh, you might be in the wrong profession, right? Now that's a home game against the Dallas Cowboys. And here's the interesting thing about it. The Dallas Cowboys get that one day advantage because they play week 17 on December 30th while the commanders play on December 31st. But even then, the Cowboys game on the 30th is an 8.15 p.m. kickoff. So it's less than 17 hours ahead of the commander's kickoff. And, I mean, we're a long way away here, right? But let's say the Cowboys go into overtime in that game. That rest that rest advantage that the Cowboys get actually diminishes. And then when you add in there that Dallas has to travel for that game, you almost kind of erase that rest deficit if you're Washington. So the only game of the season where the commanders actually have a rest deficit where their opponent has more time to rest uh, is is actually almost an equal, right, because of the, uh, the circumstances. Now, in contrast, Washington has five games with a rest advantage. Now, three of those games are one-day advantages, so there's going to be a little bit of negotiating, and they're just like we did with the Cowboys game on the other direction. One of those games, however, is a three-day rest advantage, and even if the play times are a little bit closer, you're still going to have an advantage. And then one game is a seven-game rest advantage, and yes, that's coming out of the commander's bye week. Now, the one-day advantage games, First one of the season comes week four in Philadelphia. Washington Washington plays a 1 p.m. home game on the 24th of September against the Buffalo Bills. That's certainly going to be a touch mat, tough matchup. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Eagles play Monday, so that's a, a Sunday game for Washington. Philadelphia plays Monday. But not only that, but they, they play Monday night, 7.15 p.m. Uh, Eastern against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the 25th of September. So the Washington Commanders, actually, you almost get about a day and a half. Now, you do have to travel. So that erases some of that. But Philly is traveling back from Tampa. By the time that game is over, by the time press conferences are over, everything like that, it's going to be Tuesday morning, you know, late Tuesday morning by the time the Eagles actually touch back down in Philadelphia. They're not going to have, you know, they're probably going to give the players Tuesday off, and that's great. But really, you're just kind of getting over that jet lag and travel. And then Wednesday, they got to get right back in the meeting. So while the commanders have that one-day advantage, that advantage is actually almost a little bit bigger when you consider how how truncated the Eagles' schedule uh, is really going to be. Week 13, uh, they have a one-day advantage against the Miami Dolphins. Washington plays in Dallas, 4.30 p.m. on November 23rd. That is Thanksgiving. Miami and and the New York Jets play 3 p.m. November 24th. So a day later, uh, almost a full 24 hours later, they play their game. Uh, Both teams are on the road, so both teams have to travel home before Miami has to travel to Washington. So you can add on a little bit of advantage there. Week 17, the 49ers is the other team. They have a one-day advantage over Washington play on the road in New York. On Christmas Eve at 1 p.m., while San Francisco plays at home against Baltimore at 8.15 p.m. December 25th. So, I mean, again, the Commanders will be home watching the San Francisco 49ers play their game. Certainly an advantage there. San Francisco, by the way, a league worst, minus 20 rest days 
uh, deficit. They have 20 fewer rest days in their entire schedule. That is an insane amount of lost rest, right? Uh, three-day advantage. The three-day advantage comes week six against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, that's in Atlanta, right? So you have to account, you have to account for travel time. Washington plays a home game 8.15 p.m. on Thursday night against the Chicago Bears October 5th. Atlanta, meanwhile, will play at home against the Houston Texans October 8th on Sunday. So Washington will get that Thursday night game. Then they will get the rest. Uh, they will have a three-day head start, really more of a two-day head start uh, on their rest cycle and planning cycle over the Atlanta Falcons. More on that in a minute. The seven-day rest, again, comes out of the Washington Commanders by week. It is in Los Angeles. The Rams, though, the week prior, are in Baltimore. So the Los Angeles Rams have to fly from L.A. to Baltimore, play December 10th game while the Commanders are at home resting, and then both teams will travel from the East Coast to the West Coast. I don't know how Washington's going to do it right now. If it were me, I've kind of always said this, I would go out to the West Coast like two days earlier, or I would at least put my practice cycle, my training schedule for that week on uh, West Coast time. We'll see how the Commanders uh, decide to do it at the end of the day though a seven day rest advantage is huge uh, especially when you're playing a very winnable game against the los angeles rams now, we talked about the 49ers having the biggest deficit rest deficit in the league the eagles vikings and giants also have uh round out the top four of the biggest rest deficits now the eagles we saw the commanders have a rest uh, advantage over the eagles early in the schedule they have no rest advantages over the giants during their schedule but this stuff is cumulative so as the giants continue to play opponents that are more rested than they are they continue to take more punishment, uh, and that that lack of rest can be cumulative uh, there. So be keep you know keep an eye out for that during the regular season. Rest advantages are not just good for healing, good for again resting, right? But they're also good for strategy, right? Because in those rest periods, your coaches are also getting more time to strategize, to watch film, to talk about ideas. Three of the five rest advantages that the Commanders have this season come against 2022 NFL playoff teams. So we talked about that schedule, right? Where ten of their games are against playoff teams. Well, three of these rest advantages come against those playoff teams. And then you've got three other games that are against division opponents. So you usually know them just a little bit better, especially considering none of these teams has new coaching staffs this season. Well, they have some new coaching staff, some new coordinators, especially in Philly, but they have no new head coaches. So the, the mantra uh, is mostly going to be the same. Another potential added storyline to this thing, the Chiefs actually have a very rough rest deficit as well, but the commanders have a positive one. And if that impacts kind of how well or how poorly the Chiefs do in regular season or how well or poorly the Commanders do in regular season, uh, it could open up the door for people to say, well, maybe EB was more important in Kansas City because they're struggling a little bit more than they used to. And look at how well the Commanders are doing. So it could be it could be a catalyst for other things. Now, how this impacts projected win totals really opens the door up for upsets, right? Washington, likely preseason underdogs in three of the five games we just talked about are projected to win 6.6 games this year, according to Sharp Football. So if they can turn two of those rest advantage games into upset wins, now you're more in the realm of about nine wins, uh, and that's where you can kind of get that over on the season winning. Interesting to note that Sharp has Washington as the 15th easiest first six games of the season, which means that if you're looking at the first six weeks of the NFL schedule, the commanders need to come out of that thing about four and two uh, because that back half is going to be a little bit uh, more brutal. Next up, we're going to look at more sharp football analytics. A lot of information from sharp coming on today's episode. Uh, I kind of started with one idea and it just kind of took me down a rabbit hole, guys. You know how that is. But we're going to pick up with a glimpse at what happens when Washington faces third and fourth down in field goal range. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. And there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets 
If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. The Washington Nationals were one and a half run underdogs against the Seattle Mariners Tuesday night. But if you missed out on that action, you could always pivot to the WNBA where the Washington Mystics are plus 2,000 odds to win the championship. If that's too rich for you, the Las Vegas Aces are minus 150 odds and the current favorites in the NBA. Or you can stick to football where the Washington Commanders are six-point favorites over the visiting Arizona Cardinals in week one with minus 245 odds to win the game straight up and start the season one and oh so don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or view today and every day, every day. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We'll have more numbers, stats, projections, rankings, what have you, uh, spreading out across the wide world of football speculation and projection during this period between OTA's minicamp and then, of course, training camp coming up. And as we get into July, uh, a little bit further past the 4th of July, we will start doing some position group battles. Uh, We actually have a series that I need to pick up on and continue um, I'll probably do this week's edition tomorrow for position group previews because we did miss Monday uh, due to my extracurricular travels. Uh, so some more data shared uh, this time from Warren Sharp at Sharp Football on Twitter uh, covered the third and fourth down conversion numbers when teams are inside field goal range. Uh, and and that and to, for, for Sharp Football, that means inside the opponent's 35 yard line, which would constitute a 52 yard field goal. So when you talk about field goal range, we're talking about from closer than 52 yard field goal range uh, than than uh, than anything else. And, and for those who don't uh, fully, fully understand it. So obviously you're on the 35 yard line. The end zone is 10 yards. That makes it 45 yards. Your I don't know if it's standard, but I would say your average uh, depth of kick from from the placeholder uh, during a field goal attempt is seven yards. Therefore, 35 yards. Uh, if you're kicking from the 35 yard line you're actually executing a 52-yard field goal. So that is field goal range for this discussion. Now, for the Washington Commanders, Sharp Football uh, Analytics found that on third down, the Washington Commanders, again, inside the opponent, at or inside the opponent's 35-yard line, the Washington Commanders were 21 for 58 on third downs. That's a 36% third down conversion rate, which honestly, 33% used to be kind of the the average, right? But now, 33% is actually really low. 36% last year was 21st in the National Football League for the Washington Commanders. So not very good. Uh, Fourth down conversion tries. They tried nine times inside field goal range, and they went four for nine for 44%. 23rd in the National Football League went for it on fourth down 24% of the time, which was 22nd in the NFL. So that second stat, more of a uh, aggression measurement than anything else. And they did have a punt while in field goal range during one game. And that punt came against the New York Giants in week 15. And I don't know if everybody remembers it, but it was very early in the game. It was the first offensive possession for the Washington Commanders. They had a fourth and 12 at the New York Giants 34. They had a third and nine 
at the New York Giants 31. And then Taylor Heineke was sacked for a three-yard loss, making it again fourth and 12 at the Giants 34. Tressway punted the ball for 27 yards to the New York Giants 7. It was returned, I think, to about the 30-yard line of memory serves uh, correct, which, of course, made everybody just even further question the decision in the first place. The Giants ended up punting on their own 33-yard line. So, you know, you kind of say no harm, no foul maybe at the end of the day. But why did they do it? Well, Ron Rivera, of course, was asked about that early punt uh, instead of a field goal, uh, a try. And Ron Rivera said, quote, because of the wind, because of watching Joey Sly kick. And the same thing when we came out in the second half watching Joey kick, we were a little concerned about that ball coming up short, end quote. Now, to support Rivera's point back then a little bit, uh, both Sly and Giants kicker Graham Gano nailed 50-plus yard kicks going the opposite direction. So in that direction, the wind would have been at their backs. Not supporting Rivera's point, however, Gano did hit a 50-yard field goal going the same way the Sly was uh, in the fourth quarter to give New York an eight-point lead, which is ultimately what they ended up winning by. So, you know, if Sly kicks that kick, again, you, you have no idea whether or not he's going to make it or miss it. He did miss. I think he missed two extra points in that game, actually. So definitely wasn't Joey Sly's day. Uh, maybe Coach Rivera is using the wind as an excuse and actually knew that his kicker just wasn't on point uh, for that competition. Now, did it impact the young outcome? That's negotiable, right? I mean, you start the the point with drive with we start the game with points on your first drive. That could always be helpful, right? But Taylor Heineke did fumble inside the Washington twenty at one point. He did fumble inside the Giants twenty at one point, and of course he had a turnover on downs uh, at the end of the game on the Giants six yard line, which I still contend was a pass interference. The NFL reportedly told the Washington Commanders it should have been a pass interference. Doesn't mean Washington would have won, but at least they could have lost on their own. That's still a sore spot. We're not going to talk about it. But do these numbers mean outside the game? What do these numbers mean outside of that singular game? Well, what it means that Washington goes for it on fourth down in field goal range less than 21 other NFL teams. And for a coach who's got the nickname of Riverboat Ron, you would almost expect it to be a little more aggressive right now. They have a more conservative offensive approach. Typically, that's from a lack of confidence in the quarterback or your offensive line or Confidence in your defense right now. Washington also chose not to go on a fourth and short near scoring or nearing scoring range in that game. Coach Rivera was also asked about that after the Giants game and said that he didn't think they would make it. So pretty a pretty blunt statement of lack of confidence in the offense, whether that's offensive line quarterback or both. Is it, is it a lack of confidence in the kicker? It, could, it certainly could be. Again, Ron Rivera mentioned the wind and Joey Sly kicking into that wind. We talked about Sly missing. I think again, I think it was two extra points in that game. Um, However, for the season, Sly was four for six on field goals of 50 yards or more, eight for 10 from 40 to 49. So certainly, you know, a, a fairly good kicking performance for him for the season. So I don't know if there was if it was that, but conservative offensive play calling, again, usually comes from lack of confidence in the quarterback, offensive line, kicker or overconfidence in the defense. And I think in the case of the New York Giants game, looking back on it, I think it was really a combination of all those things. Right. But I don't think Sly was necessarily the biggest part of that equation, which is part of the reason you don't see. Uh, heavy competition for him this year uh, heading into training camp. Now, only three teams punted in field goal range during the 2022 NFL season. The Commanders, obviously, one of them. The Panthers did it once, and the Bears did it twice. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles and Detroit Lions were the most aggressive teams going for it on fourth down within field goal range 46% of the time each. Third most were the Arizona Cardinals at 38%. Fourth was the Browns at 36%. Fifth was the Packers, Chargers, and Jets tied at 34%. Now, I list all that for you because Two of the seven teams in the top five, right? Because again, those last three tied for top five for aggression in field goal range made the playoffs. Only two of seven. So really not a true indicator necessarily of total team 
success. Now, conversion rates are typically indicators of team success, right? Well, the commanders are 21st and third down conversion percentages inside the opponent's 35-yard line, 23rd and fourth down conversions. The lowest playoff team in these categories, however, were the New York Giants at 35% on third down and the Ravens and Bengals tied for fourth or for 25% on fourth down, both lower numbers than the Washington Commanders had. So there's really no significant gap in the amount of third and fourth down tries either. So really, to me, this is an interesting stat. Uh, certainly invokes memories of a game that most of us probably like to forget and certainly makes us mad at NFL officiating because why that Giants defensive back uh, was was allowed to climb all over the back of Curtis Samuel throughout the play, not just when the ball is in the air. But anyway, but bottom line, I don't think you can draw a data line of conversion percentages or anything like that that would say that this is what a playoff team's numbers look like. This is what a non-playoff team's look like. Uh, so just interesting data there from Warren Sharp and Sharp Football Analytics. Uh, we've got more data coming up. We're talking about NFL draft class evaluations next coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Our final sharp football analysis data point we're going to dive into on this episode is a reference to the NFL draft class. We've already talked about how draft grades are really just a way of quantifying how much an analyst agrees or disagrees with what a team did because none of you guys have played football yet. So if I look at Emmanuel Forbes and I say, ah, the Washington Bears get an F for that selection, all I'm telling you is I don't like Emmanuel Forbes. That's really all I'm telling you. I'm not telling you anything about his future. I'm not telling you about his fit on the team, nothing. I'm just telling you I don't like Emmanuel Forbes. I'm not saying that's my grade, uh, but that's what a lot of these post-draft grades are, right? But what Sharp Football has done here is they took a composite where multiple draft experts, right? So there's a lot of different minds. So it's not one singular opinion. It's a lot of different people. Uh, and they kind of compiled them into a composite ranking for each player, projected the players to be drafted uh, and compared them to where they were actually drafted. Now, if they were drafted by a team later than the projection, right? So if the player was projected third overall per, and drafted 13th overall, it's presumed that the team got good value. If the player is drafted earlier than expected. So if they're ranked 13th and drafted third, then you're going to get a grade saying that the, the team reached, right? So cornerback Emmanuel Forbes, most people didn't have him ranked as highly as the commanders drafted him. So they're probably going to be presumed to have reached in that situation. Now, Sharp calls this a quote-unquote wisdom of crowds. Uh, so again, not relying on one singular set of projections or predictions, but several to make a composite board and ranking uh, of the draft picks and of the players. And they have an algorithm to rank each pick over and under expected, and they give them the grade. Uh, just like everybody else does. Then they compile each team's class. They stack and rank all 32. And after they did all that, Washington came in 29th out of 32 NFL teams, which means uh, basically this valuation is they reached on pretty much every pick uh, that they made. Now, the only teams with worse grades in the measurements here are the San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Detroit Lions. Now, the Chiefs and the Niners, they've drafted some pretty good talent over the years, right? So I think that's okay company to be in the Lions. They could be an up-and-coming up team. We'll have to see how they do. They did pretty well with their draft class last year, uh, so we'll have to see how it turns out. But the top three teams uh, in this exercise, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Cleveland Browns, 
Uh, but Forbes wasn't the most overdrafted player by these measures, so I used him as an example. Uh, but he didn't even rank in the top five of quote unquote overdrafted uh, top five players. But uh, that went to the the most overdrafted player according to this valuation was Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs, who went number twelve overall, but was projected to be the thirty first overall player. So that's uh, how big of a reach quote unquote that uh, they had the Detroit Lions taken there. Now where Washington did come in with a top 10 overdrafted player was Quan Martin in the second round. They drafted him 47th overall. This composite board had Quan ranked 81st overall. Washington didn't rank uh, in the top five or 10 in any of the value picks. So they didn't oh, underdraft anybody uh, necessarily, but they did overdraft Quan Martin according to, uh, again, this composite board. I'll just tell you, I like what I've seen out of Quan Martin. I think most of the media members like what they've seen out of Quan Martin. Uh, I believe the team is certainly excited about what they've seen out of Quan Martin. So, just another valuation. What I like about it is that it's not one man's opinion or one woman's opinion. It's a composite of, of experts, a composite of projections uh, used here. So I don't know. I don't know if it's any better, but it's a little bit better uh, in my eyes. Coming up tomorrow, we will be back again. Probably going to pick up our position previews. I was doing them on Mondays. But again, I had a family thing come up, had to drive up basically to Canada and back uh, over the weekend. So I wasn't able to get a Monday episode for you. We'll probably pick that up for our Thursday episode. Uh, and then we might do that again next week because it might it looks like I might have to do the same trip this weekend uh, as well. In the meantime, if you've got questions or anything you want to talk about, throw it in the YouTube comments. Hit me on Twitter, email at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or send it directly to me via subtext. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day or thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. And remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at JoinSubtext.com slash Locked on commanders. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington commanders related, you want to know or want to discuss, make sure you also follow me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, be please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 